Hello, race fans. Welcome again to another edition of the Industry Insider here on the EKN Radio Network, episode number 10 of our industry-focused podcast series. Hello, my name is Rob Howden here in the Cooper Tire Broadcast Center. Great to have you with us. Thanks for tuning in, whether you're on your laptop, listening right through ecardinews.com slash radio, or whether you've downloaded our app through Google Play or iTunes, either or, great to have you with us. And a guest that I'm proud to say I've known for probably over 20 years now, one of the all-out veterans in the sport of karting, Alan Rudolph from the Alan Rudolph Racing Academy, joining us today on the EKN Radio Network. Alan, thanks for taking some time out of your busy day. I know things are crazy down there in Texas, but thank you for joining us here on the EKN Radio Network. You're welcome, Rob. As always, thanks for thanks for having me and thanks for the support. And uh, man, when you say 20 plus years we've been friends, that just makes us that much older, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, but dude, let's just sit straight up. We're still good looking. Heck yeah. We- uh, you have hair. I'm losing mine. So that's yeah, that's a bonus for you, at least. Right? My, my goal is to, uh, well, me and AJ Allmendinger have to fight for who's got the coolest hair. But uh, It's my, close, but that's neck and neck. I know, right? Uh, <laughs> no, my goal is to uh, make 50 look good. I'm already there, and I've succeeded. So you know what? You're next. So, <laughs> okay, let's let's set this up for people that maybe uh, don't know your whole story. We're going to get that into that in a second. I'll kind of play it quickly. Uh, obviously, Alan, uh, a guy that came up through the sport, so many, many years of racing factory. Margay at one point, he was uh, with the, uh, the fact, such a factory driver for Burrell through uh, Enzo Chiaviti in the 3S program for a while, dri- driving for so many different teams. Buller, I think, you were a factory driver yeah. at one point. Yeah. Um, but multi-time King of the Streets winner, multi-time WKA uh, champion, road race, sprint, street circuit, you name it. Um, Alan, of course, then worked his way to the very top level. Scusa Pro Moto Tour, Scusa Pro Tour, was one of those guys that never wanted to give up and go to Masters, kept running the S1 category. Just a level of racing that was amazing. Then, of course, transitioned then into education. Well, he'll, we'll get him to talk more about that. But became, obviously, the lead instructor and a, a big part of the Bondurant Supercar School and the Bob Bondurant School for High Performance Driving then was able to transition into the kind of his dream, which was to have that named program, the Alan Rudolph Racing Academy, his own school, uh, had a fantastic uh, uh, co-owner, someone that wanted to fund it. They built a new racetrack in Houston, Texas, Speed Sports Racing Park. So that's where he is plying his craft now. But Alan, bringing everybody up to speed, here's where I, here's what I want to start with, because I think this is cool. Let's. I want to hear your origin stories. I want to hear... Let's say you are the carding superhero, and it's a comic book, and this is the first issue. So we're telling – what is your origin story? Talk about how you got into the sport of carding and how you kind of got to where you are from your own words. Well, uh, yeah, it goes a really long ways back, obviously. And, um, you know, uh, we – I kind of grew up in an automotive shop. Maybe most people don't know about that, but uh, my dad owned an automotive shop. Um, so from – shoot from probably the time I was six, seven years old, I was in the auto shop, sweeping the floors and learn how to work on cars and whatever. And then, um, somebody, we had a customer that, uh, needed an engine put in their car and didn't have money to pay for it. But he said, Hey, I got this go-kart. Um, it's a racing kind of go-kart and we didn't even know what that meant. Uh, would you be willing to trade? So my dad traded this engine swap for this first go-kart had hundred CC Yamaha on it. And we rebuilt this thing and away we went to our first race, um, back in, 
Oh Lord, 1979, if you could believe that. Wow. And uh, talk about talk about that flipping of the switch that would change your life. Right yeah, there. no, that was it. I mean, and, and the funny part is the track was this little, little tiny pavement oval and it had a little, the, on the back straight had a, a, a kink in it. So it was like an oval that kind of, a kidney bean, like it kind of came into itself and it was the most yeah. lame thing ever, but it was, it was obviously, you know, life changing and, uh, and I was addicted pretty much ever since then. So and then after that, it was just kind of game on. We, you know, as a family, we just all did it. My brother raced, my sister dabbled in it. And so as a family, we just, uh, we just kept going from there. Let's talk a bit about uh, at one point in your career, like so many young drivers, you think, Hey, I want to do this for a living. I'm good at it. I've won a ton of championships. I'm one of the best in the country. Um, you know, you take your shot, talk about you maybe transitioning for a period of time into trying to race cars. Yeah, um, you're right. Every, everybody that's racing carts, you know, at some point as a kid, they're like, oh, I want to do this for a living, you know, and you hear young kids say, I'm going to be the next Formula One racer. Well, settle down a little bit, you know, <laughs> um, be realistic right. about your goals, um, you know, but things are things are a little bit different now than than when I was was a young teenager. You know, there's programs like what was the Mazda Road to Indy and um, and there's Team USA and there's different platforms that didn't really exist when I was a teenager. And so, you know what it was? It was either, you know, you got to, and still today, you know, you've got to have the money, you got to have the support to, to move on and do other things. That part of it hasn't changed whatsoever. Um, at the end of the day, you still have to have the, the, the money and the support to move forward. Um, and things all have to align properly. Um, but the one thing that I was never good at, which was, um, and my wife loves this about me, but talking about myself, like I could never really brag about myself. Um, to this day, I don't, you know, and I, and to be honest, that's one of the, one of the downfalls is I could never go out and look for sponsorship and ask for people for money. And, you know, I always tell the story about Michael McDowell when he was, when he was working for me at Bondurant and a, you know, a teenager looking to try to make the next move, he didn't introduce himself to anybody without shaking his hand and say, Hey, I'm Michael McDowell, race car driver. And then boom, right into, you want to sponsor me? <laughs> I mean, yep. literally with yeah. everybody he talked to for money, I could never do that. That just wasn't in my DNA. And, uh, you know, but look, um, it's led me down the road I'm at now. And, and so I've had some, uh, I, I was able to go do some car stuff Formula the Maz is there for a couple of years. And, and, uh, my, I guess my biggest race then would have been Petit Le Mans back in 03, uh, with Chris McMurray in the LMP2 car. Yep. And, uh, you know, so I've, I've got to do some stuff and, um, that led me to hanging out with Bill and Chase Elliott and Bill was trying to get me in some stock car stuff. And, and that was really cool. It was a, quick couple of years thinking I was going to try to make a transition into roundy round race. And then that didn't happen. And you know what, it, that's fine. It's just, you know, it's the path that, that, uh, that I'm going down and now I have, you know, my own track and school and all that kind of stuff. So it was meant to be. Yeah. If you think about it, you know, Alan, it, it as well gave you a, a really rounded, uh, you know, circle of experience because you've driven so much stuff, not just karting. You did the formula car, you did LMP, you know, you did some, some sports racer, uh, competition back in the day. And, the, and I, remember, I remember talking about the Shrike that you drove yeah. Yeah. Uh, in Sports 2000. I think when we go far back is when I was working for National Cart News in 97 and 98, I did an article on you. That's, I think, kind of the first time I, I met you through Margay, but that was the first article I did. And back then, Kurt Paluzzi from National Cart News, every article had to be like 4,000 words. It was so hard to write that many words on somebody. So we <laughs> yeah. went deep into everything you were doing at that point. But, um, 
yeah, so you have a very rounded uh, experience, a career, so that you're able to bring so much, I think, uh, to your students when they do come to the Alan Rudolph Racing Academy. Now, that's the next question. So where does the switch go off? What is the – was it just an opportunity to go to work at Bondurant? You're like, I want to stay in racing. Hey, I'm going to I'm gonna do this. I'm, I'm going to pick up my job at, at Bondurant. Was that, was that the first – school opportunity that you know to become a, a coach or a driving instructor yeah but to be honest that was the uh you, i mean that really goes hand in hand with the question you asked earlier like you know you're trying to become a race car driver and and uh when when you don't have uh, financial backing to do it um one of the ways to do many many i could list a handful yeah. many guys that came through either skip barber or even Bondurant. you know at Bondurant alone we've had Buddy Rice and Darren Law and Johnny O'Connell, all these guys had come through Bondurant as an instructor, and uh, you know ended up finding their sponsor, the guy that wanted to wanted to go racing. And um, so, to be honest, when I met Bob, and um, uh, I met Bob at the uh, World Championships in Charlotte in '98, and he had just started the karting school. And uh, when the opportunity arose to go to Bondurant, my own my goal was to go there and like learn as much as I could for a year and try to find a sponsor and be out. Like, yeah, find find the gentleman driver, find right? The, find yeah, the find that guy who wants yeah. to go racing and and uh, just like Michael McDowell. Did. I mean, the list goes on and on. All the guys that either through through the Bondurant platform or Skip Barber or whatever. I mean, that's just an avenue or a way to continue your. Um, continue in motorsports driving. And that's what that really was the reason I went to Bondurant to start with. And then that one year turned into 16. <laughs> yeah, turned into 16. Now, how long was it in that middle of time? You said, okay, you go from, I'm trying to potentially, you know, connect with one of the guys I'm coaching to, you know what, I really dig this. Um, you know, I, this is my program. You know, you, you and the family were living in, in, uh, in Arizona. Let's put it this way. First, you met your wife at the Bondurant school as well. So let's, that's a big, big bonus. Probably the biggest bonus. Exactly right. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. My wife was already there working at the school. And so we met and, and uh, man, you know, it's now 18 years later, you know, I'm happily married. And (laughs) and, uh, that's good because, you know, she loves the sport and loves what we do. And, and uh, you know, so with Aiden racing now and everything, but no, I I would say that there was no time at when, um, when it switched and was like, okay, I'm good. I like doing this. I always liked doing it from day one and knew that it was a place that I could, that I could, you know, call home and be there for a while. But at no point did I ever stop trying to, trying to race. I mean, any, any opportunity that came, you know, came in front of me, I tried to take advantage of and, and utilize the opportunity and go racing. So, you know, I remember when, um, I don't know, at one point I talked to Bob about, not racing much anymore and he goes never use the word retire you just don't retire because you never know when the opportunity is going to come so i never would have ever said that i never would have used that word retire so um i've never retired so if an opportunity comes up i'm going to drive right <laughs> let me in i'm ready exactly. to go put me in coach that's good that's good folks stick with us uh more to come here as we're just getting things going uh with this edition of the industry insider episode number 10 here on the ekn radio network a special opportunity to talk with uh, one of the true ambassadors of our sport, Alan Rudolph, from the Alan Rudolph Racing Academy at Speed Sports Racing Park in Houston, Texas, up in New Caney. Stay with us. Lots more to come. Hey, everybody. This is Chris Wheeler, Director of Motorsports for Bell Racing USA. 
For the 2018 Scusa Pro Tour, be sure to check out our partners, PSL Karting. For all of your on-site needs, from helmets, visors, accessories, and all hardware, so you can stay safe on the racetrack. New for 2018, the CMR KC7 Carbon, the first of its kind, the only carbon helmet in the world, approved by the CIK for youth use. Check it out at PSL Karting, and thanks for tuning in to EKM Live. In a sport where the difference between winning and losing is measured in hundreds of a second, you can't afford to leave anything on the table. You invest in the best equipment, the lightest components, and top-of-the-line data acquisition systems. Anything to find one more tent, right? I'll tell you right now, the best investment you could ever make is in yourself. If you want to improve your results, it's time for professional instruction and coaching at the Allen Rudolph Racing Academy. Located at the new state-of-the-art speed sports racing park just north of Houston, the Allen Rudolph Racing Academy uses the very best equipment, Burrell Art Carts. They offer half-day, one-day, two-day, and three-day clinics. They have a one-on-one student-to-instructor ratio, and they will design a customized curriculum for each student. Allen Rudolph is one of the most respected people in the sport, and he has nearly 20 years' experience training drivers, including Chase Elliott, Neil Alberico, Austin Versteeg, and Sabre Cook, and rising stars like Pietro Fittipaldi. Train with a champion with over 30 years of racing experience to get proven results. Start off your season with a driver tune-up. Tune up your season with some driver coaching. Or get ready for the big races by training with the best. Reserve your dates now by calling 866-607-RACE. That's 866 866- 607-7223. For more information, visit speedsportsracingpark.com slash racing hyphen academy. Welcome back to episode number 10 of the Industry Insider. My name is Rob Howden, joined today by Alan Rudolph from the Alan Rudolph Racing Academy at Speed Sports Racing Park up in New Caney, Texas. Uh, in Houston, essentially one of the biggest metropolitan areas um, of the United States. We're going to talk more about that racetrack in a little while. Um, Alan, we went through kind of your origin story, how you got into the sport, how you found yourself at Bondurant Supercart School. Let's segue now into the new opportunity, which was just obviously massive. You go from you know being such a core part of the Bondurant Supercart School and the, and the whole Bondurant School of High Performance Driving. Where was it – or Let's start with this. You and I talked in your last two, three, four, five years there about the potential of having your school, having your name on a school. Was that was that something that came early? Was that a dream that potentially, you know, got some momentum early on? Um, I, I think, to be honest, there just became a point at at Bondurant where. Um, I don't know, for lack of better words, the writing was on the wall. There was there was a, a time when, where I felt like, what's next? What can I do next? Um, and so, um, you know, I'd say probably three years or so before my departure of Bondurant, I started kind of looking around and talking to people and, and uh, even looking at like the track in Phoenix, PKRA, looking at, looking at it kind of privately, quietly looking at it as a way to, to build what I would, uh, you know, what, what I think proper racing track and facility should be. Um, and so, you know, there, there's, there's 
other people out there that are trying to do stuff. And I had talked to several people and, you know, there's, a, there's a lot of guys who have the idea and just never come to fruition. You know, over the years, if I had a, a dollar for everybody that told me they were going to build a racetrack, you know, I could probably build my own, right? Um, they just, they're right. just now after, now after actually doing it, I see why, I mean, it is a beast to build, especially a complex like I built. Um, I mean, it takes a lot of work and a lot, uh, you know, a lot of people behind you, a lot of money. And, um, you know, so anyway, I mean, I just basically boiled down to having a dream and, and putting it out there and, um, you know, and then, and then Tim Crawford came along, uh, Tim had had the same sort of idea and, uh, I had heard about his project, but he and I had never met. And, um, and once, once he got, you know, control of the property, um, and it became real, then he started asking around the industry and, and my name popped up a few times. Um, and man, we connected, it was December of, uh, 14, I guess. And by February of 15, I was out of bond around and man, way, way we went. And so full steam ahead. Yeah. Talk about that project. Cause I know that, you know, when, when you and I first discussed it, I was obviously first and foremost thrilled for you, but man, you and I had a lot of conversations where you kind of intimated to me like you're doing right now that, man, is, this is a beast, Rob. This is planning and and just to get everything where it needed to be. Then once you put things in play, it's dealing with the rain and all the dampness at the, in the facility and, you know, just the amount of work that you put in to get this thing off the ground first and foremost, but then, you know, designed and then moving forward from there, man, it's probably, it had to have aged you a little bit. Yeah, it definitely has. I, I think I aged 10 years in the last three of this thing, you know, um, you know, the design and stuff was actually kind of the fun part. Um, you know, Tim had had some initial plans. He had contracted, a um, this gentleman to kind of give him some preliminary layouts. Um, and when I saw it and when I, when I came on board, Tim's like, look, I, I'm not married to any of this. If you want to change some stuff up, have at it, clean slate. And so I did, I totally scrapped everything they had. Um, and so, um, I basically got to lay it out how I felt like it would, it would flow the best for general public and the racers and all that. And so completely designed the, the performance track from scratch, you know, um, thinking about all the different elements I'd want to add to it. You know, um, everyone asks, did you pick a, a favorite turn from this track and that track? And yep. I would like to say I did, but I didn't, there was no way to really do that. I, um, I can go around the different tracks in my head and, and think about some cool corners, but at the end of the day, I'm not dealing with a, a, a blank. I was dealing with a blank sheet of paper, but the property is shaped a certain way. And I had to get yeah. two tracks in there and a parking lot and all the stuff. And then all of a sudden it just doesn't fit. And, uh, so the bottom line is I had, you know, I, all I wanted was to make sure that, um, that it raced well and that it had good passing and that every type of corner, I mean, basically you've got a constant radius, increasing, decreasing, um, some S's and, uh, 90 degree corners and that's it. Like, so if I've got all the elements there, then, you know, the rest should just all work. But then, you know, I'm stressing out about, well, it looks great on paper, but I don't know, how's it going to race and everyone's going to drive in it. And, you know, it's one thing on paper, but, uh, but so far the the response has been overwhelming. Everyone loves driving on it and it races really well. And so I'm happy about all that. Uh, so that let's, was all the fun part, you know. Uh, yeah, we- let's 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 set the stage first, Alan. For those who may not know about Speed Sports Racing Park, the track located essentially northeast of of Houston, not far outside uh, the city limits, yep. uh, tw- twenty minutes I think from the airport, something like that. Yep. Um, the cool thing is, that if 
I think I'm correct on this, but I think you were the first track in America to have both the full competition track and a smaller rental facility as well on the same property. Am I correct on that? Is there any other yeah. track that does that? Uh, as far I think as, it is, yeah, it? no, as far as I know, it's the only one yeah. like that in the country. And, um, you know, NOLA has the ability to, to divide their track up and they can run, you know, rentals on part of it. And, yeah. but the, but dividing it up, the track isn't really conducive for, I mean, it's, it's just not really a good layout. And so it's difficult for the members um, you know, that want to come and, and practice on the whole track they're going to race on. Well, you can't do that. And so, um, yeah, no, it's the first of its kind that I'm aware of. And, and we did that intentionally. Um, well, the beauty of that, you know, we, how many conversations do all of us in, in the industry have about trying to bring new people into the sport and how do we get them from indoor karting to come out and, and, you know, become part of the actual competition side of karting. Well, you have a place, um, folks, if you have, go on Google earth, uh, you know, check out the, the Speed Sports Racing Park website. You'll see that that it's amazing. There's the the, the the tracks on one half. There's essentially a line right down through the middle where you have the the building that su- that supports the rental facility. You walk straight across. There's grandstands between the two tracks side by side. You can walk over to the paddock area. Walk over to the the pro shop um, at at the competition side. It's and you, we'll talk about this in a bit too because you we've discussed. The fact that the low-cost Burrell 206 packages that you guys are selling at the pro shop are so attractive to some of the guys that are running regularly and in leagues over at the rental car track, they're looking across the board to try to get into a 206. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, it, uh, I, I don't know. I should probably have kept track how many we've converted this year from rental cart customers into you know racing the regular carts, um, or if nothing else, at least taking my school, you know, they can come do, do a little experience class cart racing experience. I call it to get behind the wheel of our tag cart real quick. And, and so, you know, they're standing there waiting for their rental cart race and we've got, you know, real carts going by at 60, 70 miles an hour and they get all excited about it, you know? Um, so it's pretty cool. Let's, let's move to that then, because I think that's probably a good segue. Uh, let's talk about the Alan Rudolph Racing Academy. You know, the track is one thing. You guys are, you know, bringing this high-level track to to North Houston, another great facility in Texas as well. Then you lay out your school, your opportunity. From the 16 years you had at the Bob Bondurant, uh, you know, Supercard School, you, you were able, again, not only did you have a clean sheet of paper for the racetrack, you had a clean sheet of paper for the curriculum for the school. And in your mind, is there anything that sets apart your school or were you just able to put exactly what you wanted at every level? Yeah, I would say it's exactly what I want at every level. I mean, um, you know, the, the, the core for me, like the passion is teaching, you know, this past week I had Jace Park there. He's moving from mini to, to, to X30 junior and, uh, you know, being in a full size cart for the first time and wanted to start off on the right foot, did a really great job. And so, that's that. I mean, I would love to, you know, do that a couple times a week and not have to worry about, you know, running the day-to-day business. Let's just teach kids how to race, you know, that'd be great. Um, and so that's what I really love to do. But when we're talking about, you know, the, the, the masses of people trying to introduce them to our sport, then, you know, I simple, simply have a a course called the cart racing experience. Uh, you don't have to have any experience whatsoever. Anyone can do it. We get you right behind the wheel of one of our our uh, tag carts and uh, in a couple hours they're up to speed and away they go. And, and every one of them was hooked after that. Right. And what's the next step? Yeah. We got to go buy one. We got to get into it, you know? Um, so yeah, you know, I, I definitely 
took the 16 years at Bonder out and brought it with me. Um, no doubt about it. Um, you know, but the platform is, is I always say it's catered to the individual. Um, you know, somebody that comes to me with a lot of years of experience, I, I deal with them in a different way than I would obviously a, a newcomer to the sport or a kid, you know, kid versus adult, you know, so those, those classes that are one, two, three days in length, it's one-on-one, um, unless they come with a friend or, you know, dad and, you know, like Jason, uh, Jason's dad, Jason came with him this weekend and, and I tell them straight up, I tell the parents like this class is as much for you as it is for them right now, because when you leave here, you're their coach, uh, you've got to yeah. help guide them along. And so, you know, it, it's a good learning experience for the parents too. You know, I find it interesting because the one of the things about karting is is anytime someone is is off the pace, it's immediately uh, what axle do I need to buy? What high performance part do I need? We all, you know, we've all heard kart shops will tell you, okay, this is worth two tenths. This axle's two tenths. You need you got the wrong hubs on. You got the wrong whatever it is, yeah. right? The, the bottom line is is most a vast majority of the drivers from the club level to national level racing, first and foremost, it's the driver. It's the person between the steering wheel and the seat that can make the most difference. Now, in my past life, I was a ski instructor. And I don't care how much money you spend on skis and on poles and on boots. If you're not getting proper instruction, you know, you're not going to get any better. And even at the very top level, there's like Olympic coaches, national coaches taking the absolute best skiers in the country and making them better. It's it's an an issue where I I just, I think I want to get it across to more people. Don't bother spending another thousand dollars on your engine or buy a new hubs or whatever it may be. If you want to go faster and the fastest way you can go quicker is to go to a school, is to have a coach, is to have someone like you, Alan, sit down and take someone to the next level. And I'm sure that you get to see it all the time, the massive gains that people have when they come to you. But it's really not something that – it's understood in cars. Because in, in, in car racing, there's coaches all the way up. You know, IndyCar drivers still have coaches. Yeah, that's exactly um, right. You know, and that's they still, exactly right. There's still coaches in IndyCar. There's still coaches in uh, in sports car racing. We just – for some reason, we, people don't understand that or embrace that concept in karting. And that's something that – you really have the ability to take someone from the middle of the pack or the back of the pack and move them, you know, grid spots forward in a one or a two day private coaching. You're session. exactly right, Rob. I mean, look, at the end of the day, um, you know, axles and hubs, you're you, so funny. You said that about two tenths. Yeah, that's worth two tenths. That's worth two. Th- you know what? Everything is breaking two tenths. If I had two tenths for everything that that said was going to be two tenths, we'd be 10 seconds ahead of the field. Um so it's always been two tenths. That's always worth two tenths. Um, and look, there are some some time. You know, look at the very very top level. Um, if 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 you're if if you're one of those guys that's fighting for the top five position all the time and on pole, you you're going to find you're going to make an axle change that might give you one tenth of a second. But ask any one of the top guys. I don't care if you ask Gary Carlton who. It, it, from a cart that's just really not set up and not working well to one that's really good how much difference in time is that for me, for, for a good driver? It's three tenths, yeah. right? I mean, like yeah. I'm going to make, man, I just need more grip on the rear. I feel like I need to change the axle. Okay. I changed the axle. Holy cow. That made all the difference in the world. But you know what? It was like two tenths, maybe right. Three tenths. Yeah. And so anything beyond that, and then you really do need to, you know, invest in yourself. I always say I, I, a good example. I have a student a couple of weeks ago, young kid about, uh, 10, 11 years old in mini swift. 
And uh, he was just, his dad says he was struggling with breaking, right? He just didn't get the breaking figured out. So we were working on it, working on it, working on it. And uh, look, that's one of the keys to going fast is learning how to use your brakes properly, right? Well, those kids don't yeah. do that. And so we were working and working and working. And he went uh, four sessions in a row and basically <laughs> was, was, couldn't break past this barrier of time, the time that he was at. And then all of a sudden it finally clicked and literally went six tenths faster the next session doing nothing. So then the conversation, cause he finally got the braking figured out. He finally got the braking figured out. He goes six tenths faster. And so the conversation in front of his dad was, so do you see that we didn't do anything to your cart? Right. We knew, we didn't touch your car, didn't change the axle, didn't change the tire pressure. I changed nothing on your go-kart. We just fixed the driver. And he, man, he was like, whoa. And uh, it, all of a sudden, it was this big aha moment because typically, this is one of the guys that is constantly changing axles and wheels and hubs and doing all this stuff. But it, it, as much of an aha moment for the kid, it was the same for the dad. The dad's like, you know, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm doing all this stuff, chasing all this stuff all the time when all we needed to do was work on the braking. And so. And that that's it, isn't it? Because I I always I, I use the example when I drive something somewhere and, you know, I'll, I'll with it's Rock Island, you know, I don't get a chance, a lot, chance to race. But I'll always come in and they'll say, what do you want to change? And I'll say, I, the first thing I always say is nothing because I'm not even taking this thing to 90% right. yet. I'm not at 95% yet. Until I get to the point where I'm 95%, don't be throwing stuff at it. You see the same thing when somebody goes to a track they've never been to before and they're changing acts. Oh, the car's not right yet. Well, if you haven't pushed that cart to 90% of its capability, right. what are you doing? You don't know what it's going to do yet, right? And that's the yeah. same thing. That's a, a great story for you to have, be able to have that kind of an impact on, on someone. Um, you know, let's, let's have another a quick break here, Alan, because I want to come back and I want you, I want to ask you a little more about some coaching, a little more about the sport itself. Uh, but uh, yeah, we got, we got some questions we've got coming from Facebook and Twitter. Man, still lots more to come, folks, on this edition of the Industry Insider. Episode number 10, Alan Rudolph from the Alan Rudolph Racing Academy joining us today on the EKN Radio Network. If your dream is IndyCar, set your sights on the Mazda Road to Indy presented by Cooper Tires. The first step of the ladder system is the Cooper Tires USF 2000 Championship powered by Mazda, which prepares young drivers for the calculated jump to the Pro Mazda Championship presented by Cooper Tires, where increased power, grip, and aero downforce fast-track your training. The final rung is the Indy Lights presented by Cooper Tires program. The last four Indy Lights champions will be racing in the Verizon IndyCar Series this year, so it's a proven formula. At all three levels, you will race at premier venues on the same weekends as IndyCar. Showcase your skills under the watchful eyes of IndyCar scouts and owners. Former Carters fill the roster of Mazda Road to Indy graduates like Spencer Piggott, Gabby Chavez, Zach Veach, Ed Jones, and 2017 Indy Lights champion Kyle Kaiser. Recent karting graduates like Oliver Askew are in the middle of their journeys as well. Follow in their footsteps. Fulfill your dream. If you want to race IndyCar, there is only one choice. The Mazda Road to Indy, presented by Cooper Tires. Welcome back to the Industry Insider. My name is Rob Howden. Thank you so much, folks, for tuning in to the EKN Radio Network today for uh, what is episode number 10 
of this particular podcast series, the industry insider, Alan Rudolph from the Alan Rudolph Racing Academy, joining us here today. Uh, just before the break, a couple of cool bits about coaching and about uh, what Alan is able to bring to the table. Alan, it, it's it, this is the 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 barrier that we've got to break through, right? For people to understand that, yeah, you could you could sometimes find speed uh, at the at the pro shop or the back of the cart shop trailer, but it really, man, it's it's in the driver. And you mentioned before, I love the line: invest in yourself. As I said, you can buy the best skis. So I don't care what it is, new boots, whatever. You need to. It's it's all about the skier. And that's in any sport. You can buy as many golf clubs as you want. If you still slice, you still slice. You've got to have instruction. Pro golfers have coaches. It's kind of changing, I think, the mindset and the understanding for people in kart racing that coaching and, and real coaching, not, not the guy that they have wrenching on their cart for 250 bucks a day who says he's a coach but never finished in the top 20 in a national in his life. That's right. not coaching. They're going to tell you, if you want to coach, go to somebody who's an educator and somebody who's done it. And obviously your resume speaks for itself. It, uh, is, this, is it an issue that you find that's hard to break through to a lot of people? Or or is it something that, man, we just need to get more promotion I, out of? I think it's, well, it's a combination of both. Um, definitely get more promotion out there. You know, look, at the, at the club level racer, um, you know, maybe it's a budget issue, right? Um, but yeah. what's a couple hundred bucks, you know, for some, some good coaching as opposed to uh, – and you know, as opposed to a couple hundred dollars for an axle or whatever, it just goes back to that same, that same point. If you look at the national level though, now you see, you know, the, the coaches, there's a lot of guys that, uh, that are out there that, that I was racing with back in the day that are now these coaches and stuff. Right. And they go to, they go to every race with the, with these drivers and that's what they're doing right They're coaching at that, at the, at the racing level. Um, you know, and so, there's guys making a living doing that stuff right now, you know, uh, coaching these guys and, and look, let's use Mike speed as an example. Everyone knows, you know, Mike and Alex and Scott, you know, hugely successful, um, in kart racing. And, uh, you know, now they've got their own little race team going and you know what Mike does coaches, (laughs) right? I mean, ask one of the drivers who have driven for them and find out how much, how many, you know, changes they do to the go-kart until the driver is doing what he should do mm-hmm. you know the problem. another perfect example is like yeah. mike rollison right it's mike and it's wesley boswell and it's joey Wimsett, yeah. it's bonner molton and they're out there beating they're out there racing yeah. with their guys right when they're doing a coaching day they're out driving with that guy they're pushing them hard and luke silicon was luke silicon was one of their guys he ends up becoming one of their coaches for somebody not in that major size of a team, that's where you know you you provide such such value at your school for a club or a regional guy or even even a national level guy who might want to come out. I don't care how old you yeah. are if you're fifteen or if you're fifty five. Yeah, no, the amount you can, the amount you can gain from pro- proper coaching is, is, is yeah. Huge. Not everybody can you know can can afford. Let's just say it. Not everyone can afford to have that that coach go to every race every single weekend, you know, and, uh, pound laps yeah. with them and do all that, you know? So, um, you know, if you grow, if you can, great, you know, but, uh, but that's not for everybody, you know? Um, so, you know, for the masses, it's, it's coming to, it's coming to my school and, uh, getting that one-on-one coaching and taking yourself to the next level. 
I got a question for you. Let's let's move into something here. Like like this broad broad uh, spectrum here. What do you what are your thoughts on the sport right now? You know, you you've been in it a long time. You've been a racer. You've been part of the industry. You've been a you know you are and have been for a number a number of years an educator, a coach. You're now a dad uh, of a of a young guy who's racing his way through the ranks here now. What are your thoughts on overall on the sport of karting right now? You're a track owner as well, for God's sake. So you, you've got a good feel for <laughs> yeah. it, right? Yeah. Um, it's funny. It's uh, As a track owner, you definitely have, you know, I've never been that before. So I definitely have a, you know, a different outlook on it right now. And, um, you know, I've got to, got to kind of stay my course and, and, and make sure we're not going off and doing different stuff that doesn't align with the industry at the time. Um, you know, I remember Mark Dismore from Newcastle told me a long time ago, uh, when I was talking about building a track, he's like, you know, look, you just, um, don't follow the motor of the month and, and, uh, change stuff up all the time. Just it's your track. You can do it how you want. You, you, these are the classes you're going to run and they, you know, and go with it and stick with it and, and it'll, you know, it'll be big. And so, gosh, I think he still runs Yamahas there and has like a hundred of them. It's crazy. Um, so there's no Yamahas in this region, but, uh, you know, look, everything right now here is, is, uh, IAMI products and, and we're just behind that and, and pushing on that. And, um, you know, and then Briggs, the last, um, you know, the last, what maybe, I mean, tech has been eight, 10 years now. Um, Dave Klaus has really got that thing dialed in, pushing the, the LO206 program. And that's our biggest class right now. Um, but from a track owner perspective, it gets people there, you know, but the, but from resale side of things, the margins aren't that great. So then it's a volume game and, um, you know, but it's been good for the sport. Right. Um, so, you know, the, at the, there's, so there's a club racing level, which for us has been really good. There's the regional series that, that, um, we have, you know, Texas pro Kart and TSRS. And, um, those are both real strong series here in Texas, the Texas region. And then there's the national level. Well, at the national level, that game is what to me has morphed into massive motor homes and big semi trailers and, you know, just something completely at a, at a, at a level that, you know, I would have never expected 15 years ago, you know, yeah. Now, yep. you know, the, the racetracks need massive paddocks because of all the big rigs and stuff, you know, and um, it didn't used to be that way. No, we go back 15 years, 20, 15 years, and, you know, Track Magic rolled in with their 23 or 24 foot trailer and they were the big wigs. Like, man, that's a nice trailer. <laughs> you know, they were they were rolling big. big. So I hear, where I hear where you are on that. And I, and I agree as well when it comes to, uh, when it comes to the fact that club level racing and regional level racing really haven't changed that much over the last couple of, you know, last 20 years, it's the national level, which really has morphed into something. that's just a, a crazy animal that feeds essentially about you know, 400 to 500 people. Right. That's yeah. it. No, that's exactly it. All right. Let's, uh, let's jump into the Q and a, I got a couple of quick questions here. Uh, let me have a look, uh, on Facebook, Derek seems, I believe I spelled, uh, pronounced his name correctly says he's got a question for you, Alan. Who is the best driver you've ever seen? <laughs> That's funny. Derek, it's not you. Uh, <laughs> no, he's a great, he's a great guy. He comes out to all of our, he's a league racer in our rental carts and comes out awesome. and he has a, a Rotax cart that he's trying to, trying to start racing at our club levels or whatever. He's just an enthusiast, you know, but, um, uh, Love it. Yeah. Love it. Salt of the earth for us. Man. That's yeah. what we got to have. But who, who, who would, who's the best driver you've ever well, seen? I wouldn't say ever. Well, okay. So there's seen and then there's race against. So, 
a handful of years ago when this question was asked to me, um, and the guy who I, when I was racing, you know, we were running, uh, the pro tour and, and at that time stars of karting and all that kind of stuff. The guy that I was always the most call it worried about was Michael Valiente. And, uh, Michael yeah. was just, he was just so solid and calm and, you know, just an ice man behind the wheel. And so I always, I always say it was Michael for me, it was Michael at the time when I was racing. Um, best driver I've ever nice. seen, I, though I would have to say, to be honest, Max were stopping behind the wheel of a cart. Do I remember the year? Well, yeah. I don't. I mean, Vegas. The the one year I watched him at Vegas at Supernats was the only time I ever got to see him wheel the cart, and he was only fifteen, I think. And the dude just drove yeah. like. I mean, he was a beast. Um, <laughs> but that's you know so I, that's just the one that sticks out. You know, there's so many others um, over the years that I've had the pleasure of racing with. You know, but those. It's just the only one that sticks out right now. Well, we are going to cap off this edition of the uh, the Industry Insider with our EKN Radio Network Fast Five. So, if there's more questions for you to come, we asked. I asked it out on that. Told everybody on Twitter as well that you and I were going to be doing a podcast. Of course, uh, the really only one we have from Twitter was Rock Island Grand Prix, saying thirty uh, plus drivers in the King of the Streets next year for the 25th anniversary of the Rock Island Grand Prix. Will Alan Rudolph? Be one of them. Will you make the return of the 25th anniversary of Rock Island to see if you cannot can once again wear the crown? Gosh, man, I would love to do that. I really would. I just would have to prepare myself properly. I wouldn't want to show up, you know, not having been behind the wheel of a shift. I, I literally, I've only driven a shifter cart on my track one time for like five laps, you know, wow. and so um, I haven't been in a shifter cart in a while. But I will say it was like riding a bike and. Got right back into it. Um, but, you know, so I wouldn't want to do it without doing it properly. Let's just say it that way. Uh, I'd love to, love to be back I there. I just would want to do it right. That's cool. All right. One last question from Facebook. Don Wesley asks, what's the best way to get a young driver to start understanding more than just tight or loose, understeer or oversteer? And to get them to understand and relay if a card is jacking or if it's flat. Can you go into like deeper detail? What's the best way to to get a young driver to start, you know, being able to, to bring more feedback to their father, mother, tuner. Oh man, that is a hard one to be honest. Yeah, no, it, is, it really there? is because yeah. uh, when I start my, when I start my schools and we, and we do full on ground school and talk about um, everything from vehicle dynamics to uh, line technique and, and all that stuff. Um, it, the, the, the fact is, is if, if you're not doing everything right as a driver, so what I say is if you're not braking at the right time and you're not turning in at the right time and you're not coming off of the brakes at the right time and you're not getting to the apex at the right time and you're not accelerating at the right time and you're not hitting the exit of the corner at the right spot in every turn, every lap, then there's nothing I can do to fix your go-kart. And so is that does that does that not play into what I said? Yeah. Why why when I'm driving I say to somebody don't touch I can't tell you what to do yet because I'm not hitting my mark yet and that plays exactly yeah. what you yeah. said and right so it's, I like it's that. hard That's for it. me to you know because I, I see it I see it you know it doesn't have to be a kid an adult too you know they 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 complain about their car being uh, loose you know it's it's loose on the entry of the corner well you know what it's loose because you're not driving it right and uh, you know and yeah. so. Um, yeah. Until the driver is doing all of those things right in every turn, lap after lap after lap, then there's nothing I can do to fix it. So it's really hard to um, 
for for a kid to to be able to to say, man, this thing is it's tight, you know. And what does tight mean to them? Tight means it's hard to turn. Yep. You know, I don't. Does does tight mean it just you know feels like it's pushing or understeering going through the corner? Well, is it pushing or understeering because you're overdriving the heck? Your weight, kids especially tend to auger it into the corner without using the brakes properly and slowing it down with the front tires. Well, you're doing that. So now it's, you know, heavy on the front, it's pushing or it's tight. Right. Um, so it's, it's just, I don't know. It's difficult to get to communicate. Here's the answer. Here's the answer to Don Wesley. Uh, it's called a one day school at the Alan Rudolph racing academy. Yeah, Honestly, because take a day, to get your driver doing what you just said on the brakes correctly with the turn in, right. And and I've heard people talk about not just being on the brakes early enough, but also getting off the brakes at one point, right. If if you're holding the brakes deeper into a corner, it's going to push. You need to roll off the brakes to let the car roll through the corner again. It's just, it's so much about the driving aspect that needs to be in place before you're really able to focus on what the cart's doing. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. There's so much going on behind the wheel, you know, um, if, if if you just focus on doing all the right stuff as a driver, everything else kind of fixes itself, right? Um, until, until you get to a certain level where you're doing all the right stuff, and then you can say, man, it is just a little bit loose on the exit of the corner. You know, I'm having this consistently, and I know I'm doing everything right, but it's a little bit loose. Okay, then let's try something. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's it. Don, thank you very much for the question, because that's key. That comes back to everything we talked about that once the driver gets to a certain level is pushing the cart to a certain max of its capacity, uh, somewhere close to the max of its capabilities, then you can really start to feel what the cart's actually doing. So yeah. well, I'll listen, well, you know what, before we, I'm going to jump into the fast five, but I, I, I wanted to mention something about the racetrack because when I, I was able to go down there for the first time, I was about a year and a, probably about a year ago, right? Last, yeah, last yeah. year for the, uh, for the final round of the Texas pro cart challenge. You said you jumped into your the shifter did five laps there. I want to know you only did five. You probably should have did twenty because you designed this racetrack. And Jake, Jake French told me he loves the track, but it's one of the most physical racetracks he's ever driven in his life. It, yeah, it is. Maybe that's why I only did five or six laps. <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say. That's yeah. it. No, it's, it definitely is physically demanding. Um, you know, um, it's busy. Um, but it's proper. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, Jake said he, he before Vegas, he's going to come down here and pound out some laps, you know, so he um, get his stamina up or whatever. But, um, but, but, it, you know, like you said, when you were here, you saw it, you know, it raced really well. And, and uh, so I'm proud of that. I, I've heard people say to me, oh, it's really tough to pass there. And I, and I always say this, I would say, well, that's really interesting because you're telling me what you think from the seat from where you are and your particular chassis, your setup, your world, your class. I'm the announcer. And I know that I called passes, multiple passes in like right. five different corners. So don't tell me you can't pass because, right. you know, end of the straightaway, which I think you guys call six, right? Yep. So end of the straightaway, out of the right-hander, easily into the left-hander, turn seven. Then yep. the next one's, I think, turn eight. You can easily pass into eight. Pass over yep. into turn number 10, which is the left-hand hairpin. You come back around, we have saw passes in, 13 then into 14 right yeah. and then i can't yeah. see around the corner and i'm sure there's yeah. a pass it's 
<laughs> I love it. I love when people say you can't pass somewhere. And then I go to a racetrack and I'm calling passes everywhere. I'm like, what? Where is this come from? Yeah, I will say I will say that there's there's one or two spots that on paper I thought for sure that it would be good passing, and it is tough to make a pass there. Um, <laughs> okay. If everybody everybody's all equal on speed, you, you know, it's really difficult to make a pass there. But um, you know, but like you said, there, there's a solid four or five places that just passing all the time. Oh, boom, yeah. Boom, 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 yeah, yeah. You know, and some of them are right back and forth, so it makes for good racing. Somebody makes a pass, boom, you get them in the next corner. Um, it was exciting to hear you announcing it. <laughs> it was good. I loved it. Always, yeah. you know, a pleasure to be in the Howden Tower. You rock. Yeah, exactly. Right. And get I your name it. on it. I love it. I love it. I appreciate that. All right. Let's jump in and cap off this edition of the Industry Insider with the EKN Radio Network Fast Five. Alan, I've got uh, five questions for you. They're pretty simple, but they're going to detail some cool stuff to, uh, about you and your career. Okay. You ready? Okay. Question number one. What was your first cart? And give us some detail. You, you talked about trading out for that cart, but what was it? I always like finding out what chassis people had, the very first one. Uh, you know what? I'm 99% sure it was a Margay with a Yamaha on it. With a Yamaha? Yeah, 100cc Yamaha. Okay, that's right. Any idea what? Nine like years a, old. <laughs> you were nine years old. With a pipe. It didn't have a can. They didn't have cans back in those days. Oh, those God, years. no. <laughs> a slippy pipe there's no cans <laughs> all right so uh you can't say your own for this what is your favorite racetrack question number two what's your favorite racetrack oh geez do i have to pick one no you don't you you know what you can give me a couple so, if you want you know uh i always used to love i always used to love racing that uh, when it wasn't raining of course at uh, rodney's place in norman oklahoma that was always fun yeah uh, Oklahoma Motorsports Complex, fantastic track. Yeah, the thing was a beater; it rubbered up so bad, and it, oh. you had to stay in the turns for so long. It was like winding inside of itself, <laughs> and the wire. Jesus, it was! A, I mean, it'd kill the, you. The infield section of that track yeah. was yeah. a killer, right? Yeah, oh man! Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, you know, I, I had some success at it, believe it or not, at Shawano. Um, yep. That track was just lots of elevation changes. I don't, I don't even know how many turns it had when you ran a full course, but probably like 17 corners. Something or like, that's right. And Much yeah. Elevation. So that, right. was, that was a pretty fun track. All right. Okay. Question number three. What is the biggest win of your karting career? In karting? Yep. Whew. Oh, my gosh. I don't even know. I mean, obviously, the, the, the fifth king of strengths was a big deal was on my chassis it was the last race there um you know I, I, that that was a big one for me i liked that but you know they're, they're one that uh that i remember it sort of i don't know if you call it put me on the map or not but uh at quincy in the park they used to do the uh was it the bud shootout or the miller mile the miller the mile Miller mile and it was kind of my first big race when um, against guys like Scott Evans and Scott Sellergren and stuff. And they, did a, they did a Calcutta where they bid on the drivers, and I was on a Burrell. I mean, not Burrell, the, the Buller card at the time. And uh, Scott Sellergren and Scott Evans are on Margay's. And guess what? Keith Freeberg did the highest bid for me to win the race so he could win the money because he knew I was going to win. <laughs> And, uh, on, a, on a buller on one of kermit's yeah. carts that's cool yeah <laughs> i love it well, i love it you know one of the wins i thought was really cool for you that and i was able to be there was when they had the uh the cik fia test race up at Mostport. yeah uh, in formula a yeah, in formula yeah. a 
Yeah. There a lot of big dogs up for that race. And I remember you were able to win that one on the Margay. And that was cool because that was a Margay win on a Formula A, right? Yeah. And an international race. Uh, yeah. yeah. See, I yeah I you big. probably remember more about mine wins than I do. But uh, no, that was a big deal. And uh, Keith, you know, Margay was, Keith was, the whole team was there. And, um, my brother. And so that was, that was a pretty big deal. And it was, if I remember right, it was from deep in the field cause we had a bad pre-final and then it was raining, yep. uh, yep. started raining. So we were, I was, I was almost last like 32nd or whatever to win the thing in the wet. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. I would agree with you on All that. Right. Question number four, who is or was your biggest rival in karting? In karting. I would say a couple, I mean, look, it goes to the, the years I spent, um, the years I spent ro- uh, street racing, it was always the Scott Seligren, Scott Evans era, right? There was one of those yep. two guys that. Were it's, it's funny you're saying this, Alan, because your career really can be put into a couple of different capsules, right? Yeah. Totally. You know, there, was a, there was a promo to tour shifter cart days. There's your Yamaha uh, street racing days, right? So if we, right. if we go to street racing, it was Evans and, and Scott Seligren, two badasses, of course on the streets you go to as far back as road racing with guys like brian herda you know where we were sprint road racing just you know i mean um <laughs> that obviously dates me and a long time ago <laughs> but uh you know so there road racing i used to love to do road racing and drafting and things like that um and then i would say in scusa for the time of my pro tour stuff it was always scott speed you know at the time it was it was scott and then there was a little little bout with memo Gidley and um you know almondinger and valiente and all the who's who's you know philip giebler um those guys were all you know every every weekend it would have been any one of those guys right yeah i I look back at those early days jason lapointe darren elliott you know the kyle martins the Going head to head with those guys, it was, that was that yeah. was good stuff. Now, one thing we didn't touch on, and before I go to question number five, I'll bounce this at you real quick, just because I think it. When we talk about your experience and the and the spectrum, the wide spectrum, Alan, from from running road road, road racing and doing the the, the sprint stuff, um, you know, there was a time in, in your life there of a couple of years where you got an opportunity to run some supercarts as well. Yeah, uh, that was some badass stuff for sure. I know you had some fun on a PVP. Uh, a number of times uh, back in the day. I'll tell you, Rob, that is the only thing. That's the only any vehicle I've ever driven where when you step on the gas, it's like a big whole shit moment. Like <laughs> you don't realize what having 103 horsepower on a go-kart is like. Yeah. It's insane. And it was so much fun. They're so fast. It, I mean, I remember the first time I, I had, I had it, I put it together, ran it at Bondurant, did some laps there and was like, this is crazy. And I go to Laguna Seca to race and for the first race. And now I'm at Laguna Seca and, um, here comes Eddie Lawson and, um, Wayne Rainey. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. These guys are legends. And, I thought I was hauling ass and all of a sudden they blew by me. Like I was sitting still and I was like, Oh crap. I haven't even got this thing to the limit yet. Right. And so <laughs> I was like, Ooh, big learning curve here. I mean, you know, to, to take one of those things to the limit is it's something else. I'll tell you that. But, uh, in the end, uh, that was one of my, one of my most memorable races too, being on the podium at Laguna Seca with Wayne Rainey and Eddie Lawson. And, uh, I'll never forget that. 
for that moment. No doubt about sure. it. I wanted to bring that up. Obviously, talk about everything you've done racing wise, being a you know our our premier educator, coach, driver, coach, teacher of the sport. That opportunity to to get out there in the supercar at Laguna Seca at Road America. Man, I just I have so much respect for guys that race supercarts because they are the ultimate ride when it comes to four wheel karting. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, it's how cool unbelievable. I, I I believe I still have the the track record at uh, Road America, um, at like a two twelve or a two fourteen. Yeah, probably. It's ridiculous. Um, the wild thing about and I always tell the story about Road America. You got to get give give people that 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 the the the. the audio feel of it because they those carts scream so much and i remember being there and you, you're rolling down the front straightaway right and you're off the gas into one and you're back on it again in two you could just when you're sitting there in the grid it's you know or on the pit lane it's Pop! it's correct yeah. you know what i mean it's just it's like yeah. oh it's so visceral it's amazing yeah. yeah when i when i was you know road racing not in, you know in whatever 100 cc or lay down stuff or whatever and guys you know, like Johnny West would blow by you at going yeah. twice your speed and it would scare the shit out of you. <laughs> that, you know, to be, and I always wanted to do it and finally got the opportunity to do it. And uh, yeah, no, it's, it's a ride like nothing else. Let me tell you. Yeah. Mr. Supercar, Johnny West. I remember when I first met him, he was on a, a Gibson, like a lay down Gibson. It wasn't even like when a, a proper European right. uh, supercar. It was, I was looking at this guy like you are a badass. Well, he's nuts. All right. <laughs> <laughs> he's nuts. Final question. We'll wrap this thing up. Uh, question number five of our fast five, who has been your biggest mentor or influence? Uh, you know, the, the, the first right answer is my dad, of course. Um, you know, he's just always been there from the beginning, uh, taught me everything I knew about mechanical and working on carts and, you know, supported me all the way. So, you know, it, it definitely has to be my dad, my mom, uh, for all the support they've done. Um, and then there's been some integral people over the years, uh, Mr. Lou Carroff, who yeah. got behind me and kept hit. Well, I wouldn't have been a bonderant if Lou wouldn't have introduced me to Bob. And so, um, good longtime friend of mine, Lou had introduced me to Bob and that's how I, how I ended up at bonderant, which is really what paved the rest of this being at bonderant. True enough. There you go. I appreciate it. There's your fast five. Well done. You're out of the hot seat. <laughs> Thanks bro. Alan, thank you so much for joining us, man. We're wrapped up in this edition of the industry insider, you know, just to, to cap it off, this is the talk that I always had with you about what you were doing at the Bondurant Supercart School. It's you've taken it to such a new level with Speed Sports Racing Park and the Alan Rudolph Racing Academy because you're not, you know, Bondurant didn't have that rental cart program where you're bringing guys right out of the sport or right out of rental karting into the cart in, into into cart racing competition, and then to be able to provide our sport with our one university, the one college that you can actually go to and. And you can buy a $400 axle or you can go out and buy the expensive six, $700 magnesium wheels to find those two tenths of a second, but you're never guaranteed of the speed. You can, if you go to your school and spend a day or two days with you and the staff, you're guaranteed to be a better driver. And I think for me, that's, that's the bottom line. You're, when you invest in yourself, it's a guarantee for extra speed and more enjoyment. That's exactly right. I promise you that. It is. That's what it is. It's it's an experience of your life, but you're going to come out a better driver as you would be a better golfer or a better skier or whatever it may be. You're just it's a it's a no brainer. It's not like rolling the dice on trying to win a win a a lottery. It's it's a one for one. It's a hundred percent win. So I just want to thank you for being that for our sport because our sport needs that. Thank you. I appreciate that, Rob.
I appreciate you uh, spending some time with us. I know you're busy down there at the racetrack. Thanks for carving out an hour for me. And uh, listen, I appreciate everything you do for us, everything you do for the sport. Thanks again for being on the EKN Radio Network. All right, Rob. Thank you. Folks, uh, one of the ambassadors of our sport, no doubt about it. If you've been around for any length of time, you've heard about Alan Rudolph. You've watched what he's done. Uh, Educator, veteran driver, five-time king of the streets. Maybe we'll try to get him back for race number six. We'll see. I'm not sure if the wife will let him do that or not. But, uh, (laughs) folks, (laughs) Alan, thanks again, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Industry Insider, episode number 10, here on the EKN Radio Network. On behalf of the entire staff of EKN and my friend Alan Rudolph, It's been Rob Howden. Bye for now.